At Woodside Bible Church, we gather each week to pursue God by studying His Word together. Thanks for tuning into our series, The Follower's Trail Guide, Navigating the Path of Jesus, where we're asking the question, what does it mean to be a follower of Jesus? As we walk through Jesus' farewell discourse to his followers in the book of John, we'll learn to follow in the steps of Christ as he marks out the way of discipleship for us. Now, I want to begin by just uh, taking you back a few years. It was 16 years ago that I moved uh, our young family from the sunshine of Central Florida to the mountains of Colorado. Now, you see, I was joining a pastoral team at a large church in Colorado Springs, and to be honest with you, I could not be more excited about that move. Just absolutely fired up to be joining this team. Now, like any of you, you want to make a good first impression, right? Kind of meet a group of people. You're going to start a new job. You want to get started uh, on the right foot. You want to start strong. So I did what any Detroit sports fan would do in the midst of my Colorado friends. I walked up to the campfire with my new pastoral team in a bright red Red Wings jersey. Come on. (laughs) As you might expect, I heard some laughter, I heard some groans, even some boos, actually. Uh, So, you see, the Red Wings, for those of you who don't know, are reviled in Colorado, and we don't like them all that much either. I don't know if you're familiar with the documentary, but a couple years ago, ESPN did a documentary called Unrivaled about this bitter rivalry that we have as Detroit Red Wings against the Colorado Avalanche. And so I thought in that moment, you know, I'm just meeting these people. I'm going to stoke the fire a little bit, get things going with my bold Red Wings sweater. And some of you might be here today kind of wondering, what in the world are you talking about? A 16-year-old story about two sports teams who don't like each other much. What does that have to do with anything? Well, the fact is we are going to be looking at a biblical text today that addresses this kind of deep-seated disdain. We're looking at a biblical text today where God will show us that in our world we will face laughter, we will face groans, we will face boos, and sometimes even hatred because people oppose our faith. People oppose our view of the world. And so Jesus gives us counsel. Jesus gives us wisdom on what that looks like, how to navigate it, how to walk it out in real and significant ways. And so we're going to turn there in just a moment. We're returning to the farewell discourse, and we've been there for the past number of weeks in John's gospel. But today I want to just be real honest with you and candid and just start the day by just saying the text is difficult. I want to give you a brief warning It's a difficult text, and yet it has tremendous significance for you and me today. And before we turn there, let's pray. Heavenly Father, gracious God, you have invited us here today to gather as your people, set apart from our world. 
set apart from our world, and we have come into this place to offer you praise, to offer you everything that you are due from us as an act of worship. And so, God, even now in this moment, we submit our minds to you, we submit our hearts to you as an act of worship. God, we acknowledge that your word is true. It's truth. We are basing our lives upon this truth. And so, God, we need to hear from you. We need your spirit to speak to us through the power of your word. So, God, give us ears to hear this truth today. Give us eyes to see this truth and then genuinely humble hearts before you that you might do your work in us in this truth, through this truth. Not for our glory, not for our purposes, but ultimately for your kingdom. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, church, this morning we continue our series, The Followers Trail Guide, and as we've been on this trail, we've been there a number of weeks. This is actually week seven, and so we have been uh, spending quite a bit of time on the trail, and I'm just going to be honest with you, this is a difficult section of the trail. Sometimes when you're on a trail, it's kind of easy going. It's a little bit of a downhill slope. It's kind of good. It's easy. Today, what we're looking at are some things that are a little bit difficult. Because I'm just going to be honest with you, it's not what we want to hear. What Jesus has for us today is not what many of us might expect to hear. And it might even be hard for us to understand and to process together. But as we reflect on Jesus' words, I believe our faith will be strengthened today by what we hear. So let's grab our Bibles and turn there together. We're going to be looking once again at John's Gospel, and we're turning to chapter 15 of John's Gospel. You're going to find that on page 902 in our ESV Bibles. If you do not have a Bible, you can read along on the screen behind me. We're going to pick it up at John chapter 15, verse 18, and then read a little bit into uh, the 16th chapter. Here's what Jesus says. He says, if the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of this world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. And if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they would also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they did not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoke to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin, for whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in the law, it must be fulfilled. For they hated me without a cause. 
But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, He will bear witness about me, and you also will bear witness, because you have been with me from the beginning. I have said all these things to you to keep you from falling away. They will pour you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming when whoever kills you will think he is an offering service to God, and they will do these things because they have not known the Father nor me. But I have said these things to you, that when their hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. That's where we're going to stop. Church, Jesus has just told his followers the truth. He's just laid it out for them right there. He's not giving them some sort of flowery version of reality. He's not changing this narrative to make them feel good. He's not selling them a bill of goods. He's not telling them what they want to hear. Instead, Jesus is telling them what they need to hear. And the truth is, you and I need to hear the exact same reality. In this moment, Jesus is speaking to his closest friends, and he wants them to know that living out the gospel will include opposition. Not maybe, it will include opposition. And so as your pastor, I'm going to reiterate that. What Jesus tells his, his apostles in that moment, in that close-knit group, I'm going to share the exact same thing with you. If you are a follower of Jesus Christ, if you have surrendered your life to Christ by faith, if you are seeking to honor Jesus by walking in His ways, you can expect challenges. Hey, pastor, that's some good news today. Sure glad I came to church. <laughs> Trust me, there is good news coming. But sometimes you've got to start with the bad news. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew's gospel. He says, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross, and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake will find it. Let's take an assessment of what we just looked at there. You begin with denying self. Everybody loves that, right? We always put ourselves in second place. Denying self. The second phrase, taking up our cross and then losing our lives. Well, that sounds like a load of fun, doesn't it? That sounds so much like our culture today. Denying self, taking up our cross, losing it, surrendering it to Jesus. <laughs> And yet that's exactly the sacrificial vision that Jesus cast for his friends and for you and me and for all who read this text. The truth is real. The truth is gritty. It's authentic. And it is tough. It's tough. That's why Jesus gives these warnings. He says, on the path, you need to know that there is rough road ahead. There are tough times ahead on the journey. So let's unpack it a little bit more deeply. Let's dig into verses 18 through 22. We're going to see plenty of 
opposition here. It says, if the world hates you, know that it hated me before it hated you. Well, that just kind of lays it right out there, doesn't it? If the world hates you, if you were of the world, the world would love, it, love you as its own. So if you're going to do the things of the world, the world will have no problem with you. But if you do the things of God, look out. Challenges are coming. For if you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you. Jesus continues, a servant is not greater than his master, for if they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. They kept my word, they will also keep yours, but all these things they will do on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If you just read those words in isolation, having no cultural context, if you just engage with the words of that text, they will hate you because of me. That's shocking in itself. I mean, if we have no cultural context whatsoever and you just open up the Bible and you read those words, wow, following Jesus is going to cost me something. but we don't read those words in a vacuum, do we? We don't read those words with no cultural context. We actually have about 2,000 years of history to give us context, and we know that Jesus is not exaggerating or being overly dramatic. He's just not. What Jesus says here is being completely transparent, and it is exactly what we might expect. Because the kingdom of God is in complete opposition to the kingdom of this world. Total opposition. Let me just give you a quick snapshot as we skim through the pages of Scripture. I'm not going to highlight every verse, but I think you'll understand and these will be familiar to you. One kingdom is the kingdom of light. The other is the kingdom of darkness. One kingdom is moved by love. The other kingdom is driven by hate. One is ruled by a king. The other is ruled by one who wants to be king. You see, what Jesus wants his followers to know is that because we no longer identify with the world, we no longer identify with this godless view of the world, then we will face opposition. It's going to happen. You see, by submitting to the lordship of Jesus Christ, your life is now modeled after Christ. Your mind is shaped by Jesus and by his word, and your heart beats for him and the things that he loves and the things that he cares for. And so our lives are marked by love. Remember, this is what we've looked at each of the past two weeks. This is not done in isolation. We're continuing through the farewell discourse. And as we continue, we recognize that Jesus says he is the vine, we are the branches, and in him we will bear much fruit. In Christ, we will bear this fruit. And so as Jesus encouraged the apostles and all believers who read this text 
We are to be known by love. You and I are called to be known by love. And yet the world will be known by the opposite. Because it is the haters who persecuted Christ. And therefore, Christ followers will also be persecuted. Now, maybe this is not your experience with everyone. Might not be your experience everywhere. Might not be your experience all the time. And yet it is true of the entire system of our world. Because their experiences, the loyalties, the goals of those who are not in Christ are different or should be different than every single one of us who are in Christ. It should look different. Here's how I know this is happening. Consider just a few recent news stories. High school football coach gets suspended for leading his team in prayer after a game. Christian ministry gets kicked off of a college campus for standing upon biblical values. Crisis pregnancy center gets attacked because it has a biblical view of life. Persecution. Now, those are things that have just happened kind of culturally here in the United States. I want to have a more global perspective, if we can, for just a moment. According to a ministry called Open Doors, one in seven believers worldwide are under a high level of persecution. I'm going to say that again. That number might be kind of shocking to you. One out of every seven believers in the world are under high levels of persecution. Now, to be clear, I don't want to make the kind of this assumption that this intense persecution that we're seeing and hearing about across the other sides of the world is the same as what a high school coach or a campus ministry is facing. They're not the same. But what I am saying is that in a culture that waves this kind of big old banner of tolerance, tolerance, what we find is intolerance for the things of God and of His Word. And Jesus tells us why. Because of Him. Because of Him. So this leaves us with an obvious dilemma, doesn't it? And this leaves us with an obvious question. As we hear this text, as we hear the words of Jesus, the question is, what are believers to do about it? What are we supposed to do? Well, rather than give my personal opinion, I want to point you to two verses from God's Word. One is from the text we just looked at a moment ago, John chapter 15, verse 19. Jesus says, I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Underscore the word chose. The second passage, 1 Peter 2, 9, explains why it is that God did this choosing. He says, but you are a a chosen race. You are a royal priesthood. You are a holy nation. You are a people for his own possession that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. Church, that's what it means. If you are in Christ, it is your God-given calling to proclaim Christ. 
to faithfully proclaim Jesus Christ. That needs to happen in our homes. That needs to happen in our schools. It needs to happen in our churches. It needs to happen in our workplaces. We need to be proclaiming the love of Jesus Christ, the character of our God, the holiness. And we need to do it consistently and faithfully. Now, let's return to our text. Let's continue on. Skip down to verse 26. He says, But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you will also bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. The Helper the third person of the Trinity, the Holy Spirit. He is God's way of empowering believers to actually live out that proclamation. The helper, the Holy Spirit, is the one who helps us bear witness to the character and the excellencies of our God. It's the Spirit. Church, don't forget the context of what we're looking at. Jesus is with his friends. He's with the apostles. He knows that in just a few hours, he is going to sacrifice his life on a cross for sinful men and women like you and like me. In just a few hours. But Jesus also knows something incredibly helpful and very powerful. He knows that the Spirit is going to come and will give voice to His people. The Spirit will bear witness through God's people. That's the Holy Spirit. You see, this will happen because the Helper promotes Jesus. The Helper is the one who promotes Jesus. The Spirit empowers all who follow Jesus Christ to go ahead and bear witness. He is our source of comfort. He is our source of guidance. He is our source of counsel. That is the role of the Holy Spirit in the life of the believer. And Jesus wants his friends, all who believe in him, all who have repented of sin and placed their faith in him, he wants all his friends to know that the Spirit will also play a central role in your life when it comes to something else, and that is commitment. Commitment. See, we know this because the Spirit of God who works through men, through women, and through children of faith accomplishes this in mission in the world. It accomplishes the mission that he gave us through the Spirit. So when people are coming to Christ in faith, that's the work of the Spirit. When people are being convicted of their sin and saying, I need to turn from my ways, that's the work of the Spirit. When the Father in the home is leading His family to the throne of grace, that is the work of the Spirit. When you are going into your workplace and you are proclaiming Christ by the way you live, sacrificially loving other people, denying yourself, taking up your cross, and honoring others, that is the work of the Spirit of the living God. Church, that's the role of the Holy Spirit. It empowers us. Now, let's look back at our text. John 
chapter 16, verse 1. He says, I have said all these things to you for a purpose, to keep you from falling away. They will put you out of the synagogues. Indeed, the hour is coming where whoever kills you will think he is actually offering a sacrifice to God. And they will do these things because they have not known the Father and they have not known me. But I have said these things to you, that when the hour comes, you may remember that I told them to you. You see, Jesus closes out today's text by returning to the topic of challenges. He gets us back to recognize he's going to shine a spotlight on that spot on our journey that's going to be a little rugged. He highlights some of the tough things. He says, times of persecution will happen because of me. Even violence, possibly. You'd say, wait a second, violence? Yes, even being killed because of your connection with Jesus. The truth is this has been a real possibility for followers of Jesus Christ throughout the history of the church. That is the reality, and yet God's people are not deterred. God's people are not deterred because it is the power of the Holy Spirit that the good news of Jesus Christ has gone out and exploded around the world. That's the power of the Spirit. And it is through the power of the Holy Spirit that God's church has grown, has advanced, has overcome strife, has overcome persecution to be the most powerful movement the world has ever seen. And I'm not exaggerating. That is God's church. And the church is moved forward by the work of the Holy Spirit. It's God's church empowered by the Holy Spirit standing upon the sacrificial love of Jesus, the Christ. Now, as we close today, I want to tell you about a man that I read about recently. His name is Andrew Thorburn. I don't know Andrew, never met him. In fact, I'm going to be honest with you, I'd never heard of Andrew Thorburn until I was researching for this message. But on September 27th, Mr. Thornburn was selected as the CEO of the Essendon Australian Football Club. 30 hours later, he was gone. He's hired as the CEO, the main guy, the top role for this football club. 30 hours later, he was gone. Now, some of us might say, well, clearly he, he fudged his resume. Something was wrong on his resume. Maybe his qualifications were exaggerated. That's not true. Goodness, maybe they found something in his past. He committed a crime that nobody knew about. No. None of the above. Thorburn summed it up this way. He said, my Christian faith is not tolerated in the public square. 30 hours after receiving the job, Thorburn was forced to resign because of his, wait for it, church affiliation. Online videos of old sermons where the pastor proclaimed biblical truth were found to be unacceptable. <laughs> the team gave him an opportunity 
They knew it was his dream job, and they gave him an opportunity. They said, well, you have a choice. You can choose our job and resign from your church, or you can resign from your dream job. You see, this was his favorite team growing up. So this was a dream job. And 30 hours after receiving it, he resigned from the job. You see, Andrew Thornburn was professionally persecuted. Yet in the face of that challenge, he was empowered by the Holy Spirit to proclaim the goodness of God and remain faithful to God and to his church. You see, for all who believe in Christ today, that same Spirit lives within you. That same Holy Spirit and that same power resides in you. So as you face persecution, maybe today, in the week ahead, in the month ahead, whether it's with your family or your workplace, may you depend upon the Helper to lead the way. Amen. Thank you for joining us as we study God's Word together. We would love to hear how God is moving in your heart and get you connected into the Woodside Bible Church family. Head to woodsidebible.org connect to introduce yourself to us today.